Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Dr. Regina Pally. Dr. Pally is a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst who has been in private practice for over 35 years with a special interest in parents and couples. For 25 years, she studied and wrote about neuroscience for mental health professionals. Most recently, she has dedicated herself to working in the community to improve the lives of children and their families. In 2008, she founded the Center for Reflective Communities, whose mission is to promote healthy child development by strengthening the relationship bonds that children have with all those who care for them through an emphasis on reflective thinking. The current focus of her writing is reflective parenting. Her latest book, The Reflective Parent, How to Do Less and Relate More with Your Kids, emphasizes that relationships matter most in a life of a child and provides parents with the skills for building positive relationships with their children. The goal is for parents to feel less anxious and more competent as a parent, while at the same time feeling confident that they are giving the child all the necessary ingredients for healthy development. Welcome, Dr. Pally. Thanks for being on. Well, thank you for having me. So today, the topic is about reflective parenting, which is something that you are quite an expert in. So I'm excited to have you on as a guest to enlighten us about this field. Yes. Well, the first thing I want to say is reflective parenting is a model that I wish I had had when I was raising my kids. My kids are now all grown and I have grandkids, but the reason I was so attracted to it is because reflective parenting is designed to help parents feel less stressed and to feel more competent and confident about their parenting. Parents today are so worried all the time about what's the right thing to do. And reflective parenting helps reduce that anxiety and give parents a feeling they really have the tools that are designed to help kids do well in life. Well, I was just thinking maybe it's because there is not one right way to do it. Well, that is one of the main philosophies of our program. There is no one right way to do it. So let me explain a little bit. Now, a lot of people have not heard of the term reflective parenting or even the term reflective. So let me explain why we call it that. There's really one fundamental tool that parents need to have in order to raise children in a way that we know promotes the child's health. And I mean promotes the child's health on all areas, socially, emotionally, and academically. So it's this capacity to be reflective, this capacity to be reflective. Turns out it's the ordinary way that we make sense of each other. I mean, just think of us as interacting. We have to make sense of each other. Like, why are you doing that? Or why are you saying that, right? And that's what's going on between parents and children. Parents are having to figure out, why is my child behaving this way? And so that is actually what reflective capacity is. Reflective capacity is the ability to recognize that all of your child's behavior has meaning. But the meaning is something going on inside the child's mind. What is the child feeling? What's the child thinking? What's the child intending? And to be able to do the same thing for yourself. It's really a two-way process. What's the meaning of my child's behavior? Why are they behaving the way they are? And 
equally important. Why am I behaving the way I am? What's going on in me? Meaning responding sometimes, right? Why am I responding that way? So for example, my typical example at the dinner table, kids spills their milk, right? I've told you a million times to be more careful when you're, and not to flail your hands all over the place so you spill your milk and getting angry. And why? Why am I getting so angry? And what am I assuming? And so often what we see is, see the thing about being reflective, we all have it. The problem is it operates completely outside our conscious awareness. We automatically make an assumption as to why a child is behaving the way they are. We do it without thinking. It's built into our brains. We can't help ourselves. But we do it unconsciously. We automatically jump to a conclusion about why is my child behaving this way? And we react more to our conclusion than to actually what's going on in them. So in that case, example, at the dinner table, if a parent is, let's say, feeling really stressed, they might jump to the conclusion that my child just doesn't care about how stressed I am or that it's such a mess and I have to clean it up. And they think of their child automatically as uncaring. And then, of course, they feel angry, right? They they get their feelings hurt. They feel angry and resentful. And so that's where their anger is coming from. Without maybe, so what we always recommend to parents is this reflective capacity can be non-conscious most of the time. You know, there's so much we do out of unconscious. You know, we can even drive without thinking, right? So we always encourage parents to slow down so they can take a breath, step back, and bring their reflectivity into conscious awareness. Take a beat and think, why am I getting so heated up? And think, oh, my child was just enthusiastic at the dinner table. They just wanted to put in their two cents. You know, their siblings were talking or their daddy was talking and they just wanted to add something. It wasn't because they were being careless or that they weren't thinking or that they didn't care about the fact that you had to clean up. It wasn't those things. That's the essence of it, really. So you can put up that little uh, slide I, sh- I sent you of the ch- the parent and child interaction. Yes, here it is. You see it? Yeah. Okay. okay. In, back in 2008, I met some people who had developed um, a parenting group. They called it the Reflective Parenting Program. And it's really a 12-week a group for parents, like any parenting group. But the essence of it is to help parents enhance their reflectivity, to bring it out of that sort of automatic place that can lead to so much misunderstanding and bring it more into conscious awareness so they can strengthen that muscle, that reflective muscle. And I found this program so amazing because, I mean, as a, I'm a psychiatrist, I've been in practice for you know 40 years. And when I realized this 90% of what goes on between parents and children has so much to do with a parent really not getting where a child's coming from. Not because they're a bad parent, not because they don't love their child, not because they don't care about their child, but often because things are going on inside of them that are getting in the way of their ability to really understand their child. And that's what this is about. Like, for example, I was a very anxious parent and I wished I had had somebody who could have helped me with my anxiety because sometimes my anxiety overwhelmed my ability to parent well. 
I get too involved or too worked up, things like that. So this is the handout we give. Here's the definition of being reflective. You and your child each have a separate mind. Hard to believe, but yes, your child has their own separate mind with their own separate feelings and thoughts and intentions. And your child's behavior is linked to what's going on inside your child's mind. And your behavior is linked to what's inside your mind. So although parents often, I hear this often, you made me so angry at you. You know, you threw your towel on the bathroom floor. I told you to put your towels away. Or oh, your room is such a mess. I'm so angry at you. You made me that angry because you didn't listen to what I said. Right? And the point is, no child ever makes their parents angry. The anger is coming from inside the parent. The child is just doing what children do. Like sometimes they're just too preoccupied with other things to remember to follow the rules. Sometimes they're testing the rules. Do I have to really listen to my mother or not? You know, is she going to stand up and be firm about this or can I get away with this? Kids are just trying to learn about how the world works. And children are trying to deal with their own emotions. Sometimes they're overwhelmed or anxious. And so we're really trying to help parents see that the child is coming from something going on inside the child, but that when the parent gets overly angry or overly anxious or, or very reactive and controlling, it's really something happening inside the parent. Like the parent feels embarrassed. You know, you see this at the, at the supermarket, right? The kid's acting up. I want candy. I want candy. I want candy. And the parent really reacts in an angry way. Why? Is really the child's doing anything wrong. The child's just being a child, right? But the parent feels embarrassed, self-conscious. And so their anger is really about what's going on inside them. And so the group is designed to help parents notice those things and then to take care of them. Reflective parenting, what I love about it, is a lot of parenting focuses solely on the child. You know, what's going on with the child? Let's be responsive to the child. It leaves the parent out. It takes two to tango. You know, parents and children are a pair. And you have to take care of the parent. So what I like about reflective parenting is it's good for the child, but it's also good for the parent. Parents have to parent in a way that fits, not just who their kid is, but fits who they are. Are they an early riser or are they a late riser? Do they need to a date with their spouse? Whatever the parent's needs are, also have to be taken into consideration. Anyhow, so you and your child have separate mind. Your child's behavior is linked to what's inside your child's mind. Your behavior is linked to what's inside your mind. And a lot of times, especially when things are going smoothly, we're doing this without having to think about it. Parents are always telling me, oh, I don't have time to be reflective. Well, what happens is if there's too much misunderstanding, what happens? You know, if you accuse your child of being lazy, they're not doing their homework because they're lazy, right? The kid's going to react. You're going to get into a big fight, right? It's going to take time to deal with that. You'll be wiped out after, you know, after the battle with your child. So it actually takes less time to stop for a second and try to make sense of really where your kid's coming from, where you're coming from. It takes less time in the long run. Can you get the same outcome though? Is the goal to have the same outcome? Because you want your child to be able to do, to do their homework that has to get done. Or, or 
first. So what I want to just point out for one second is that when a parent is responding to their child, they think they know for certain what's going on with their child without realizing you can't really know for certain, right? The child's mind is hidden. You can't know for certain. It's a little bit of a black box. All you can know is your own emotions and your own reactions, internal reactions. And to be open and aware that, you know, sometimes you get it right and sometimes not. If things are going smoothly, you're probably getting it right enough. The only time you have to stop and think is if somehow there's a disjunction, you know, like your kid is really not listening to you. Like they're really not doing their homework. Then you have to step back. So what I'd like to remind parents is that this ability to be reflective, you don't have to be a 10. You don't even have to be a nine. You just got to be a five, you know? And the reason we have these groups is to help parents when they're really stressed, because when we're really stressed, reflectivity goes out the window. It's natural. I'm very reflective, but if I'm anxious enough or if I'm feeling insulted or hurt or rejected enough and stressed like that, my reflectivity will go out the window and I'll be a, a, you know, a one or a two, whatever. So the point really is, is to help parents identify when they're under stress, because that's when we're going to be most likely to misunderstand what's going on. Okay. So really what reflective parenting is, is it's a relationship-based approach to parenting. It means the very most important thing that you will ever do for your child is really about creating a positive, supportive relationship with them. But not a positive relationship that's permissive. No. Your child actually needs you to guide them through the world. What's allowed? What isn't allowed? What's okay? What isn't okay? What are the rules? What aren't the rules? And to help them develop coping skills for times when they're disappointed or hurt or feel like they want to be angry and throw things or hit people. or So it's a system designed to help parents be better in that parenting role, not just of being empathic and understanding, which is definitely important, but also being able to be calm and firm and confident about setting the limits and setting the rules. Okay. The problem with setting rules often is we're doing it in a time of frustration, often anger, or maybe feeling rejected or feeling embarrassed. And so we can come off as being too hostile or aggressive sometimes when we do it. And one reason we sometimes feel hostile and aggressive is we actually feel insecure. Are my limits okay? Is it really okay to, to say, no, you can't have ice cream right now? You know, like so many parents are, we're tired. We're depleted, especially during COVID. And we don't like it when our kids are upset with us, right? So we give in when we don't really want to. So this is designed to help parents feel more confident about what they're doing. To help parents recognize children really need limits. They really, really need to know when no means no. They do. And even if they test it, they're not being bad. They're not being uncooperative. They're just trying to find out, do I really need to listen to mommy or not? What's she going to do? Right? So we like to say the importance of reflective parenting is to be able to balance our empathy and our understanding with a sense of confidence that limits are needed and it's okay and we're not a bad mommy 
if our child says, I hate you, or, or your child cries or is very disappointed, you know. <laughs> One time, my grandson, he was angry at his father because his father made him eggs and they came out different than he was expecting. I said, I want a hard boiled egg. You know, my son said, no, you wanted a scrambled egg. Well, I'm not making you a hard boiled egg. And his kid just broke down in tears. And my son started giving in to him. And I'm on the sideline going, mm, you know. Right. So my question is, if you were to coach your son in that moment and kind of tell him how to proceed, what would you do with reflective parenting in that? Yes. Okay, great. So I'll tell you the whole story. So I said to my son, you know, he's going to be okay, even if he doesn't have the exact egg he wants. And my son's going, well, but you don't understand, mom. It's easier to just give in. And I said, yeah, but in the long run, he's not going to learn how to cope when he's upset. Like a lot of times we don't get what we want. How are you going to teach your son those skills? You're an expert. So I would assume he would respect your opinion. He does trust me. me. Yeah. So anyhow, so he said, okay, mom, what would you do? I, so I said, my said to my grandson, you really don't want that egg, do you? You're really angry that the daddy won't give you another egg. And he runs in the other room and he slams the door and he's screaming and crying. I want a hard boiled egg. I want a hard boiled egg. Screaming, banging on the door. And every once in a while he would go, poop, poop, open the door and go, poop, you know, things like that. Anyhow, very angry and upset. And I said to him, he was like, let's see, he was four and a half at the time. And I said to him, you know what? I trust you. I know you're angry and upset, but I trust you. I know you're going to figure out a way to calm down about this. You're going to be okay, even if you don't get that egg. I just trust you. I know that about you. I'll help you if you want some suggestions. And he opens the door. No, I don't want any suggestions. He was really angry. And I just remained calm and confident that I knew he'd be okay if he didn't get that egg. And then in the long run of life, it was better off dealing with his disappointments rather than flaring up. I mean, he's going to be disappointed in school. He's going to be disappointed with friends. And the reason this is so important, teaching kids that they can cope with difficult emotions is the key to what we call self-regulation. Now, you want your child to do well in school. You want your child to get along well with other people. You want your child to be able to think, oh, I have to study for that test ahead of time. I have a goal and pursue it. You want that. Your child has to have an ability inside themselves to be reflective, to realize, even though I feel badly now, it's going to go away. It's not going to last forever. No bad feeling ever lasts forever. I do have coping skills. And I'm not alone in this. Someone knows I'm upset and they're going to help me. And that all comes when the parent is capable of reflecting and realizing, yes, my child's upset, but I'm not a bad parent for not making that other egg. (laughs) I'm not being cruel and mean to my child. I'm not being insensitive. This is just reality. You know, he's not always going to get what he wants without being hostile about it. You see, when a parent feels insecure about it, then they get hostile. You made me feel guilty. This is how parents often react. You made me feel so guilty. That's what they feel. The parent feels guilty. 
And when you don't feel so guilty, you, you're just more confident that it's okay. Turns out, and this is my most reassuring thing I can tell parents, is there is no one right way to parent. We think there is. We think if we just go to the gurus and the experts, that they'll tell us the right way. Well, I am an expert, and I don't even know what the right way is. But what I help parents do is discover their own solutions to what makes sense to them that all we really have to avoid are the extremes of hostility and aggression or the extremes of being too intrusive and controlling or Or permissive or permissive. Yes. So when we stay away from over permissiveness, over intrusiveness and controlling and over aggression, and we're in the sort of that middle ground, like I'd like to say in the ballpark, you're going to do okay. Mm -hmm. Turns out that kids do fine with Strict parents, they do fine with more lenient parents. It's always a balancing act, as long as we stay away from the extremes. So you may have your neighbor who's very strict and think you should be really strict, but you're just not a strict person. That's okay, you know, or vice versa. You're strict and you wish you were more lenient. But, you know, I tell parents that as long as they are doing their best to try to understand what's going on in their child and in themselves, that's all they have to do. They don't always have to get it right. Parents get very worried if they make a mistake. And I say, go for it. It's okay to make mistakes, first of all, because nobody's perfect. (laughs) And also, children don't need us to be perfect. They don't want us to be perfect. They don't need us to be perfect. They need us to be ourselves. We're going to make errors. And the real benefit of an error, we have, we've lost sight of the value of errors and mistakes. Errors and mistakes are designed for learning. So what do you learn when you make a mistake and you go and you scream at your child, right? Because they're not doing their homework, whatever. Really scream at them. I told you to get in there and do your homework and you keep coming out and not doing it or whatever, right? then you can go back and repair it. Once you calm down, give yourself a little time out, push your own pause button, time out for mommy. Mommy thinks about why am I so angry? I'm angry because I'm anxious. That if my child doesn't do their homework, then if I don't make them do their homework, then you know it's going to be a disaster down the road. Okay. So the mommy slows herself down, thinks, okay, my child is having difficulty with their homework. Maybe there's a reason why that's happening. And certainly my being hostile and aggressive is not going to help. Whatever it is, (laughs) even if they're trying to avoid their homework for whatever reason, my being angry and upset is going to make it worse, not any better, right? So I better calm down anyhow. Well, I think this idea, you approach it with curiosity. Why? Approach it with curiosity, right. So... The point is that making that mistake, you come back to your child and you say, I'm sorry, I overreacted. I got too angry. And I think I kind of scared you and made you feel bad. Yeah, you did. I hate it when you do that, says the kid, right? I'm sorry about that. I think it was because I just get so anxious sometimes when you don't do your homework. Like, oh, you know, it's going to be a terrible disaster. But I realize now we just have to kind of find a way to help you do your homework. We can do this together. We can be a team. We can come up with solutions. And you invite your child. By the time they're doing homework, they're old enough to be asked, what solutions do you have? What ideas do you have? And you make it a relationship rather than you being 
100% responsible that you have to make them do it. And just that little shift, what does it teach the child? First of all, it teaches the child, mommy can be very angry at me and our relationship is still okay. Such an important tool. So many people grow up and are so frightened when in a relationship there's anger without realizing we can recover from that. Really important tool, right? The child learns mommy can make mistakes. It means the child's allowed to make mistakes. Mommy's too perfect and doesn't have any upset feelings ever. The child thinks, what's wrong with me that I get upset so much, right? So there's just an enormous amount of learning. Now, I'm not saying you have to go out and make mistakes on purpose. You don't have to do that because you're going to make them anyhow. So I have these guiding principles of reflective parenting is the most important thing is to focus on the relationship. Like, let's say you have a, a routine at bedtime. You're, you read books to your child. And during the day, your child is acting up and you say, you know, you're acting up so badly. I'm taking away one of your privileges. You know, I'm not going to read to you tonight. Like in a flurry of like rage, at, you know, in the moment, right? Uh-oh, now it's bedtime. Now, parents are always told you have to follow the rules. You have to be consistent. And this is where I say, no, the relationship matters more than anything else. Yeah, rules are important. Everything isn't black and white. There's always nuance. What matters more is the relationship. And your relationship is you read books because it's comforting and soothing to your child. And you leave your child with a good feeling of connection to you. And that's important for them to feel okay about going to sleep, right? Otherwise, you're going to be in a big battle. It's going to take a lot of time. And so you can tell your child, you know what? I'm sorry. I... I threw out that consequence and I wasn't really thinking, you know, what matters to me more is that you and I have a nice little bedtime ritual and routine. And I really enjoy that. That's putting the relationship first. You put that relationship above anything else. And the other thing I like to tell parents is tolerating uncertainty. Now, as parents, we put such burdens on ourselves. We think we're supposed to know all the answers, right? We're supposed to understand our child, know what's going on, and always know what to do, right? And that there's something wrong with this if we don't know what to do and we need an expert, right? So what I like to encourage people to do is to sit with the uncertainty, to realize there's just so much of life that's uncertain and unknown. You know, sometimes you just don't know what to do, and that's okay. Sometimes you just don't know what's going on with your child. Your child comes home from school and they're really upset and they're trying to explain to you what's going on and and you just don't understand exactly what happened, right? You don't understand. It's okay. You can just sit with that. Or your child says, you know, the teacher didn't pick on me today and I'm really upset and they're always favoring, you know, Susie or Johnny or whatever. Mommy, do something, right? (sighs) You don't have to know what to do. I don't really know what to do. Let's think about it. Let's just try and figure it out. The idea that your child needs you to always know the answers is malarkey. (laughs) Sitting with the uncertainty. Now, the problem is when we don't sit with uncertainty and we need to have a conclusion, we'll just jump to a conclusion just to make us not feel uncertain anymore. doesn't mean it's going to be the right conclusion, unfortunately. And then we berate ourselves afterwards. Why didn't I know the right answer? And I think, you know, a lot of times we can't know the right answer at the time. We just can't. It's like you're driving in traffic. You see that the road ahead is really clogged. 
So you turn left, just get out of the traffic and you get into another traffic jam and you say to yourself, oh, that was so stupid. Why didn't I know? You just couldn't have known. So we can't read minds. We can't read our children's minds. We don't always know. And also a lot of parenting is a kind of trial and error. You try something and it doesn't work. But sometimes <laughs> I'm like really understanding, really understanding. And a child might say, mom, they feel too intruded if you're too understanding. Like one of my kids needed his own separateness to just be upset. And my kindness was too much. And this is what goes on for parents. We have to try different things, different things with different children, different times of day, different things. And not to feel that you always have to come up with exactly the right answer. It's the long run of life. It's the average of your interactions, not any one particular interaction. You're giving your child the tools for how to become an adult. You're giving your child the tools. The more you empathize with the child and validate them, it gives them the tools for self-empathy. The more you set limits and give your child the skills. So that grandchild, you know, who I was telling you about, comes out of the bedroom, finally, comes and eats, sits down, you know, makes a lot, big face, but he's eating his egg. And I said, oh, so what did you, uh, what did you do in there? <laughs> he says, well, I realized my tummy was telling me I'm hungry, so I better eat. That's how he solved it. And another time when he was in an upset state, I said, how'd you solve that one? He said, well, didn't you see I went over and got a book? And that's how I calmed myself. So you're giving your child tools for self-calming. And you're giving them the space to be upset. I like to give children the freedom to be upset. Like, let me just be upset. I mean, none of us like somebody to tell us, oh, stop feeling that way. Don't be so upset. Our emotions are like our arms and legs. You don't want to, uh, oh, my arm hurts, chop it off. No, of course not. You need space for kids to be upset and reflect the parenting. Helps the parents stay calm enough during the upset to kind of help just hang in there. Kids feel better just to know they're not alone. I'm here. I know you're upset. The feeling that someone just knows you're upset is very comforting to a child. Even think of yourself. It's what we all want. I'm upset. And someone isn't making us feel silly or bad for being upset. They're just saying, I know, it's hard. And that's very containing. And that requires the parent to be reflective. So quick question about this. And I know we have to wrap up shortly. Does this work for kids who have special needs? Even more important, I've given talks for parents who have kids with autism. That's an essential thing. I mean, what do kids with autism need? But a parent who sees it from their perspective. Ooh, mommy, I hate this sweater. It's so itchy. Or they go into a, a room of a lot of people and they start acting out and doing things. Well, it's just because they're anxious. It's over stressful for them. Not being bad. They're not trying to embarrass you. You know, So it's even more important. Sometimes kids have a special need not of having some illness like that, you know, autism, but they're just a more sensitive child. They take things more personally. There's some kids you can kind of raise your voice at and it rolls off their back. Another kid will burst into tears, mommy, you don't love me, mommy. You know, those kids need a little more 
empathy, a little more holding. And one parent whose child was very shy, so painfully shy, they'd go to a birthday party and the child would sit on her lap. And she was embarrassed. All the other kids were playing. And she said, well, should I let my child sit on my lap? And I said, well, what do you think? And she said, well, he seems to feel safer there. I said, okay, well, maybe you can help him feel safe enough to get down or maybe not. I mean, give him permission to be shy. <laughs> you know, you make him feel bad for being shy. Well, then that's not good. So those are special needs also in a certain kind of way. And, and parents need to be more reflective with those kids. It's harder to parent a child like that. I've heard you talk before about reflective parenting, and that's why I, I really wanted to have you on because it makes so much sense to me. And when I hear you talk about it, it seems so simple and it seems so understanding and so empathetic. But I think in real life, when these things happen, it, it's not always that way. And I think that's yeah. why, why it exists as a kind of a program for parents. It, yes, but also I hope you hear embedded in what I'm talking about is the parent has to have self-empathy. Mm. What does self-empathy look like? Self-empathy looks like, oh my God, I lost it today. Why? Self-empathy. I was trying to juggle work with helping my kids online with you know, Zoom school and you know, my husband was feeling sick, so he couldn't help out. Self-empathy. Understand yourself. Stop berating yourself for, you know, like losing it sometimes. It's, it's normal. It's natural. And that's what I try to convey to parents and not to second guess themselves so much. Yeah, it gives a little bit of your off the hook a little bit for being so worried about it. And the worst thing about feeling guilty is, number one, it makes you more stressed. It makes you less understanding. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, it's a burden on your child. Right. When you feel guilty, it makes your child feel bad that they made you feel guilty. And what do children do? Then they try to hide their bad feelings from you so they don't harm you. Parents forget that children really care about us. They don't right. want us to feel insulted, hurt, guilty. Because a lot of kids will take that upon themselves as a burden I have to take care of mommy. Right. So I don't want parents to feel guilty. Right. And the, and the other thing that I love is it's really, you have the long run in mind, right? In it's terms long of, run mind. Yes, you're yes. really building emotional intelligence, emotional capacity, ability to tolerate distress, all these incredibly important skills that your child needs throughout their lives and into adulthood. And it's this idea of really trying to foster that and modeling to them how to do that. And yes. I think that's maybe what's missing from other parenting strategies, right? It's really about how do you build that? I mean, there are a lot of parents, this idea, I wanted my child to be responsible. I want them to do well in school and all these things, but you don't really think about how do they function emotionally in the world? Yes. Yeah, so that they can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the whole thing. And we're actually, what people talk of as social emotional development is really what the child is becoming reflective. See, children are not born with the capacity to be reflective. As adults, it's essential for our getting along with people. I mean, how do, you, how do you work in a team of people? How do you work at a job, of any job that involves people? You have to be reflective to get along with people. You have to be reflective in order to calm yourself down in the midst of frustration when you're working on a long-term task and it's frustrating. These are all skills we need. Children are not born being reflective. They learn how to be reflective only when people are reflective with them. It's like learning a language. How do you learn to speak English? 
because people speak English to you. You're going to speak Russian if they speak Russian to you, right? So children are born with the capacity to learn how to be reflected. And by being reflected with in the relationship with their parent, they learn to be self-reflected. And that's why a kid is able to say, okay, on the playground, maybe they got left out of the team, right? Nobody invited them to come play ball with them. And in the moment, they wanted to scream and yell and cry. But they knew how to calm themselves down. Because if they scream and yell and cry, you know what's going to happen? Kids are going to pick on them. They're not going to fit in. And they have that capacity of like a memory with mommy and, or daddy, helping them calm down and reminding them that, okay, maybe those people left you out, but maybe you can go play with somebody else, right? And they can do that for themselves. And that's what's going to help them get along better with people. Mm -hmm. They can do that when they're in the classroom and they're getting bored and they want to like, you know, cause problems with the other kids and, and they can calm themselves down from the boredom and the impulse to, to start bothering other people. And that's what we want to teach children because that's how they're going to succeed. Not by hammering them with, you have to be responsible. Right. Dr. Pelly, I really appreciate your time and sharing your expertise. I've heard this, but like I said before, but I, I always feel as if I'm learning something new because it's important to be reminded of it. And I love your examples because I think almost any parent can relate to not that specific episode that you talk about, but something very similar. And so as a parent myself, I think about, you know, how am I, how am I going to respond next time to this? Right. And, and how do I correct things? And so I, I, I've learned something today. If the listener wants to learn a little bit more about reflective parenting, any good resources, anywhere they, they should look. Well, I hope you can share with them information about the book I wrote. It's called the reflective parent how to do less and relate more, meaning stop worrying about what you're doing so much and think more about what's going on in the relationship. And the organization that I started back in 2008, I founded the Center for Reflective Communities and we run parenting groups. We train mental health professionals like yourself or other mental health professionals, how to run reflective parenting groups, how to set them up and how to run them. And we also offer reflective parenting Groups. And actually now everything's on Zoom and we're actually doing our groups online. So a parent who wants to participate in a reflective parenting group, I hope you'll give them my contact information. We will put everything on there. So contact me directly or my executive director and to be able to participate in a group if they want. And I don't know if everybody in on your podcast is from Los Angeles. We've been mostly in Los Angeles in person, but we have spread the word to other cities you know and now that on zoom people can participate you know we have programs where people are participating from new york and california so that's how they can find out more about it all right well i really appreciate it any parting words before we say goodbye parting words <laughs> yes if the experts tell you to do something and it's not working for you it just means it's not fitting who your child is and who you are the experts don't have the answer. They have a, a bunch of answers, but if you've got to filter it through your own mind and say, does this make sense to me? For me, my child, and my family? What works for a nice, happy couple, two parents, you know, lots of money, may not work for a single mom who's a little more stressed about money. And so it has to fit. 
you might have a more, like slightly more fragile child, or you may have a lot slightly more resilient child. It's not going to fit. There's no one size fits all. I like those parting words. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for being on. And I'm excited to get this podcast out so people can listen and hear more about reflective parenting. Thanks so much. And also parents don't have to learn it all at once. There's a a long stage of development. Your child doesn't need to learn everything all at once. All right. Well, thanks for being on today. Thank you for having me. This has been Mind Stories with remote appointments in California and offices in downtown LA, Santa Monica, Hermosa Beach, Marina del Rey, Echo Park, and Santa Barbara. Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.